Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and Mr. Taylor, whose writings on the industry you can regularly read over on The Wrap, and whose musings on the Mission Impossible movies you can listen to on Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. He and I are recording this week's show on Friday, December 15th, and uh, apologies for this animation news show being missing in action for the past few weeks. I, I, I don't know if you folks heard, but... We lost Aaron Adams, uh, the very talented gentleman who edited all of the podcasts here uh, at Jim Hill Media back on November 29th. And uh, to be honest, uh, we're still kind of picking up the pieces. By the way, speaking of, of Mr. Adams' sad passing, uh, Lentes and Tim O'Brien have set up a GoFundMe to honor Aaron's memory. Uh, you can find that at tinyurl.com backslash Aaron Z. Adams. And just so you know, all funds collected there will then go to Sabrina Geiger, Mr. Adams' widow. So if you haven't despaired this holiday season, well, Mr. Taylor and I would really appreciate it if you could please donate to that GoFundMe. Anyway, uh, look, Aaron's kind of a hard act to follow. We're definitely going to miss him around here. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do with Marvelous Disney, the podcast that uh, I used to co-host with, with Mr. Adams, but mind you, Aaron was always lecturing me on how sacred the schedule was, that uh, how you actually disrespected your audience if you didn't deliver shows on a regular schedule and in a timely manner. And I, 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 I want to point out here that Drew was the guy who actually suggested setting up the GoFundMe uh, for for Aaron's widow, and also for the past. 10 days he's been relentlessly after me about why don't we got to do a new fine tuning so here we are you know um listen it was it was from people bothering us on social media as well and it was it was yeah i mean for a long time you and i you and i didn't know what to do how to how to do it and but we're I'm, i'm happy i'm happy to see you jim i'm happy to be back yeah, same thing here, and I'm I, I'm also happy that that Eric Hersey uh, has agreed to step in for a bit and help us with production while we we get the whole editing thing sorted out. So, um, anyway, uh, lots of animation news happened while Drew and I are away, and uh, so we should probably get to that. And uh, speaking of which, I should mention that the news portion of fine tuning is brought to you by TuringPlants.com. Uh, Touring plans can help you save money and time at theme parks like Walt Disney World. So please check them out uh, at touringplans.com. And so, Drew, let's just start with some good news. Uh, So Hayao Miyazaki's uh, supposedly last film, The the Boy and the Heron, uh, made its North American debut this past weekend and did well enough at the box office to claim the number one spot, uh, what twelve point eight million uh, in the states, and if you add that amount to what the Studio Ghibli film has already earned overseas, that means the Boy and the Heron has what uh, one hundred and fourteen million at the box office worldwide, which is pretty damn good, right? Yeah, it's it was one of the most expensive movies, if not the most expensive Japanese movies ever. So I feel like. Uh, I don't know if it's cleared its its costs yet, but I absolutely love that it has found this success and that if it is his last movie, that he finally got a number one American film. But have you seen it yet, Jim? 
I have not. And in fact, uh, to be honest here, I haven't even seen Wish yet. So, well, that makes you a lot like a lot of the uh, population. It does. It does. You know, in fact, (laughs) we're going to get to that in a sec because um, Wish has been out in theaters for uh, three and a half weeks at this point. Uh, And again, heavily hyped as, you know, the the, the film that celebrates or or pays tribute in in many interesting ways to the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Walt Disney Company. Heavily hyped. Uh, But it, it has really underperformed at the box office there's no other way to describe it to date it's only earned 51 million in north america 56 million overseas uh that's a, a total box office of 107 million uh not a great place to be when you supposedly cost uh 175 to 200 million and but we talked about one of on previous shows about something else that potentially could sort of undermine um uh, wishes box office and that was leo right the the adam sandler animated film yeah it opened i think it was on netflix the day before wish came out and then seeing the difference in box office um i just wrote a big story about this over at the com about the kind of showdown between wish and leo and how Netflix has kind of become this animation powerhouse um, with yeah. Chicken Chicken Run Down of the Nugget coming out this week, too, which is a delight. Um, so, yeah, it opened to, like, insane numbers. It was the most watched Netflix original animated film in its opening week and is, was the number one movie on Netflix globally um, for two weeks, for the first two weeks before, I think, uh, Leave the World Behind bumped it out. I've heard like more people saw Leo opening weekend than the amount of Disney Plus subscribers worldwide, which is just insane. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's it's huge, absolutely huge. And have you watched Leo yet, Jim? This is my next question. I I I have not. Again, you know, not, not to belabor the obvious, but when we lost Aaron. Uh, there was suddenly a lot to do, and you know that that and more to the point, it, it it for me it felt kind of frivolous in the middle of all that. I'm gonna go to the movies, so I'm I. But that said, I you can just I, go you to know, your couch, Jim, and watch this. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Though, though, which brings me to a, a, another interesting bit of news. Uh, in regard to things that I watch on my couch, that now I'm gonna get the chance to see. In theaters, uh, can, can we we talk for a sec here about what's going to happen with Soul and Luca and Turning Red next year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, they're doing like a little sort of Pixar regroup uh, theatrical exhibition. It starts with Soul in January and then Turning Red will be in February and then Luca in March. And, you know, it's a it it kind of does a few things that allows people to see these movies that debuted exclusively on on Disney Plus in a theater. It also tests the kind of waters on to if this could be done for other projects that were exclusively debuted on Disney Plus. And it also fills the hole of uh, Elio, which was supposed to be in theaters in March and will now no longer be. So... I am. I was lucky enough to see two of these in at the El Cap um, mm-hmm. 
but I'm very excited to see Soul in a theater, and I hope you are too, Jim. I, no, that, I, in fact, of the three, don't get me wrong, I, I love all three of these films, uh, you know, and so uh, we'll happily go to a theater to check these out. But Soul especially, um, I remember watching that at home and, and and just thinking, oh, man, I would really like to have seen this in the on the biggest possible screen. Some of the some of the design was just so out there yeah um but you know uh so yes happy that they're doing this and if i may also put a bug in in pixar's ear um, look onward came out on may 6 2020 uh and what you know a week later the world shut down uh you know because of the pandemic and you know, if if these three succeed, could we maybe look at at you know putting onward back in theaters and and hey, if you're you're going to the theater to check out onward, you know there, there's this great book, you know, the making of onward that's that's worth checking out that was written by a certain person. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm 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 legitimately happy to see this, but uh, but at the same time, what's fascinating for me. Uh, is that you know? Well, look, you 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 mentioned the obvious that you know that, that one of the reasons you know uh, these three films are returning to theaters, not just the Elio thing, but also you know, let's be honest, you know, this past summer, uh, the writers' strike and the actors' strike disrupted uh, you know production for theatrical releases. So so Disney has holes. So that this is. You know something that they they that they needed to do in addition to sort of testing the waters here, um, but I you know but at the same time, um, what's fascinating for me is that I've been you know talking with folks uh, on consumer products uh, again and likewise friends who work at, at big boxes and retail, and I I wanted to share some news about how places like target seem to be adapting to this new world faster than, than Disney and Pixar are, are, are doing. Um, I, have you heard about this, how they're now reconsidering how they do their product buy uh, with the notion that if the time that, kids are most likely now to discover a new, you know, new set of characters for a Pixar film or a Disney film when it's, uh, when it shows up on Disney plus, that's when you do the big toy buy. Um, in fact, I, I, what's kind of interesting. I was just talking with somebody who was mentioning that, um, they were talking with Marvel about, it's like, don't worry about the Marvels, you know, that, that when this shows up on Disney plus, uh, so many little girls are going to want to buy those action figures. So they're they're actually buying extra action figures for the first quarter of 2024 to have them on store shelves when these movies show up on Disney Plus. That's really interesting. That is that is. Um, but but at the same time, though, um, you know, I, I let, let's talk about, for example, migration. Uh, you know, the, the new illumination film, uh, arrives in theaters, I want to say here in the States, uh, on, on the 24th of thereabouts. I mean, it, it's, it's sort of 
sliding red. It's Christmas. Yeah, it's it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, right. But it's already opened overseas and in a number of uh, markets. And I guess the play term is uh, there have been soft ticket sales so far. Um, Were you mentioning that you talked with with the filmmaker about his own concerns about this? Or yeah, I mean, I don't. I think that he, you know, his his name is Benjamin Renner. I did a great. I moderated a great uh, Q&A with him, Jim, I don't have to tell you that, at the Grove last weekend. Um, and uh, we kind of hung around uh, before the show. So he was, you know, he was a little concerned, um, not about his movie or how good it is, because it really is wonderful. I watched it again before I did the Q&A, and I, I just love this movie. I think it's so great. Um, it's my favorite Illumination movie. I'm going to go on record and say wow. that. And, um, okay. You know, he just said, you know, it's hard. It's hard to to launch a original new IP and new characters. And Illumination has gotten so good at, you know, kind of grooving into these pre-established franchises. Even, you know, Mario Brothers, which was not their franchise to begin with, but is a franchise that we all know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. love. And he just says, you know, it's just tough. It's tough mm-hmm. to, to get the word out, to penetrate the audience uh, kind of awareness. and um, but yeah, I think it'll, I think it will find its audience. I, I want to point out like, you know, Puss in Boots opening in a similar corridor last year go. that kind there of uh, okay. stayed around and, you know, got gathered a lot of steam and then ended up being a, an unlikely kind of Oscar powerhouse. It did. Uh, it did. And, so, and, and, yeah. And don't get me wrong, Universal is doing some interesting things. I don't know if you've seen. For example, the giant inflatable that's sitting in, uh, what is it, the Universal Florida Lagoon? or Oh, I saw it, of the little baby duck, yeah. Yeah, the little baby duck. Uh, Likewise, out in uh, Hollywood, they actually have a walk-around of the baby duck. And I I don't know if you've seen, there's actually a great Jersey Mike's uh, ad that sort of uh, has fun with the fact that Danny DeVito does the the voice of the, the, the cranky uncle duck. Uh, and you know, has this duck stealing Jersey Mike things? I mean, they're doing clever stuff, but I I just don't know if they, again I, I I feel like this is another one of these films that's going to get found uh, when uh, you know it's uh, it shows up on streaming rather than in theaters. And yeah, um, you'll also appreciate just, this, Jim, that on the mm-hmm. backlot tour at Universal, the mm-hmm. the tour guide actually says. Oh, we're gonna have to stop for a duck crossing, and then they play a little video on oh. the screens inside the oh. trams. Okay. It is like it. Is, listen, the amount of synergy that is going on in that backstage tour these days is insane. The oh. amount of time the word peacock has been uttered uh. Uh, is uh, shocking. But you, you uh, just got over there uh, in the past week or so, right? Yeah, yeah. I went. Yeah, I went with my buddy Mikado, um, mm-hmm. and we uh, we had a great time. It's a lovely. It's a lovely park. Thank you to Universal for letting us hang out. It was Ooh. great. But cool, cool, um, cool, cool. Okay. Yeah, you, um, I, I think you should go back and look at how the California Sun is treating the Super Nintendo <laughs> world. Yeah, because it is looking a, beat up. Well, you know, any consolation, uh, what is it, Donkey Kong Land uh, opens at uh, Universal Studios Japan 
on next year. And one of the worst kept secrets in world history that, that Donkey Kong is coming uh, to Hollywood as well. Uh, in fact, I, I, I want to say the 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 pipe that takes you to that that new expansion pad down on the lower lot uh, is already there and construction is already underway. But uh, but uh, what are you talking about, Jim? I'm totally I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking <laughs> about. Well, yeah. And what I've I've heard from friends at Universal Creative is they will use the opportunity of the opening of. Um, Donkey Kong Land in Hollywood to revisit uh, Super Nintendo World and, and do a, a paint job and replace some of the. It's actually the printed stuff that's up that that is faded the f- the fastest. But um, anyway, getting back to streaming now. I mean, I, I guess for me, what bothers me about but streaming, especially when it comes to animation, is. It, it, so much of this world is driven by algorithms, and and you know, the, and there's kind of a a mindset to the effect of you know, all right, three seasons and done. And, and in fact, did you see where a friend of the show Josh Gad, uh, while we were away, uh, revealed that uh, Central Park uh, will end uh, after season three? So I did see that. I, it, it sort of surprised me because. Of all the streaming services, Apple TV kind of has the most follow through in a lot of ways. Like they really stick with their shows. They're really committed. I don't think anyone is watching them, uh, but they're a lot of them are really terrific, including Central Park. So I was sad to hear that. But, yeah, um, yeah, you know, know but at least we had it. Listen, it, it, 10 years. If it's like Futurama, Jim, and we'll have we'll we'll be revisiting Central Park many times over our lives. This is true. And speaking of, of revisiting one other target related thing I wanted to share with you, because, again, I, I remember you were a big fan of Angus McLean's Lightyear. Uh in fact you, Huge. Know, you bought the, the full yeah. size socks, you know, yes. from uh Studio Sixty Seven. Uh Super, Super Seven. Six, Super yeah. Seven. Um well I here I, I I here's the interesting thing. Um you know and, and again this is this is one of these things where it's like I want the entertainment press to circle back on this because everybody's written off you know Lightyear as you know, well, you know, that that was a Pixar failure and, you know, and, and you know, it didn't find its audience. It didn't perform at the box office, but now it's available on Disney Plus. And the interesting thing is kids seem to have found it because in Target right now, if you go into their holiday section, uh, what's fascinating is they have a wall of the, the hot toys. And, and for example, one one area of the hot toys is toys that key off of Illumination Super Mario movie. Uh, likewise, there's you know, uh, you know there's Jurassic Park toys. There's there's and there's actually you know uh, Toy Story toys. In fact, they they have the the uh, the the Buzz Lightyear with the 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 action judo chop. But they're also in the mix are Lightyear toys. And not discounted Lightyear toys, true. Lightyear toys at full price. You know, that oh, somewhere, somebody, at, at, you know, that there's enough demand for Lightyear. And remember, that's what, June of 2022. So we are, what, 18 months since that film came and went in theaters and was written off as a failure. And here's 
here's t- Target putting toys from that film in their, you know, this is what parents are looking for as they're shopping for their kids this holiday season section. Which again, I, I I think is fascinating, and and but again, I that's the other thing I think we're seeing happen in real time. We're watching the folks who have always been a, a part of you know how movies make money, the folks who handle you know the the retail spinoff toys, who are looking at what's going on with the new viewing patterns and deciding, okay, you know maybe we don't need to do all of our buying up front for theatrical. Maybe we need to hold, you know, a good chunk of this back for when these things show up on streaming. So that's really interesting. And by the way, next week, folks, when, when Drew and I uh, come back, we're going to be doing our, our year in review and animation show. And we'll then look ahead to, uh, you know, what's coming out in 2024 and make our bets about what's going to land because, there, there are three coming that I think potentially, you know, are going to do well at the box office. Obviously, uh, Inside Out two, uh, we have Despicable Me, oh, it's four, four, and yep. uh, and then we have uh, Kung Fu Panda four, the the trailer of which just dropped uh, this past week or so. And and what did you think of that? I thought it looks real. It looks really, really good. I got to talk to Mike Mitchell, the director, who you and I know uh, from yep. mm-hmm. a million things, including several Shrek properties and mm-hmm. the second Lego movie, which I thought was really great and kind of mm-hmm. underrated. Um, yeah, and yeah. yeah, they're they're very excited about it. They they said that they are you know, very inspired by new kinds of action cinema. Like there's a, there are shots in the movie that are inspired by GoPro and Mm. things like that. And they're also really excited about bringing back a lot of characters, including Ian McShane, who, who Mike Mitchell thinks is the best DreamWorks villain ever. And I think that it's hard to refute that. Um, Tai Lung. Yeah. You know, Tai Lung. Yes. You know, that's the thing for me. Um, the original Kung Fu Panda movie was, uh, you know, still sort of the gold standard for uh, that series, largely because I don't think I've ever seen uh, anything that topped the the Tai Lung escaping from prison scene. Oh, uh, I love that scene. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is just crazy. Uh, Although so I do like the stuff that... in the third movie where they're in the kind of like, you know, Afterlife um, or whatever, it's pretty great. You're, yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, you know that. And again, that is half the fun of the Kung Fu Panda movies is they they go with crazy visuals. But again, Tai Lung was such a great villain, and it's so nice to have him back, even fleetingly. I, I, from the trailer, I, I he doesn't look like he lasts all that long in the film, but um. But yeah, so that comes out uh, March eighth. Uh, Despicable Me four is is uh, first week of July, and then Inside Out. I want to say is the middle of of June. Um, I, and again, Elio has now been pushed back to two thousand twenty five. Right? Yes. Let us hope that okay. Elio sees the light of day. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because I, I have to admit, I was kind of intrigued by what's going on up in Emeryville. How you know uh, things were going great guns 
so much so that that you know they have the Steve Jobs building and then they have the Brooklyn facility there on the campus and they at a at one point they really thought that they were going to need additional space and they actually began renovating that that building that was right across the street from the campus I, I want to say uh, twenty one hundred Park Avenue. And did you see where Pixar is now putting that up for lease because they suddenly don't need that space? So I have a story about that yeah. that I can't tell you on the air, Jim. So uh, remind me to tell okay. you when we stop okay. recording. But all right, I, I think that okay. that I think well. that that space was used for a project that is no longer moving forward, and they were trying to figure out what to do with it. That's what that's my mm-hmm. understanding of what it was. But uh, yeah, I think that okay. right now they are. They're they're at Emeryville right now. They're sort of reevaluating the slate mm-hmm. and seeing what's fitting in with with the kind of you know ethos of the studio. We obviously have a lot of exciting projects coming up out of them, and mm-hmm. uh, some movies from some of your favorite directors, some movies from new directors, and um, so yeah, I think it's. I don't think it, there's anything to worry about Under- up there. I just think it's some strategic realigning, Jim. You know, we're shifting some okay. things around, and yeah, okay. But well, I, I I don't know if you saw the two hour long special last night on ABC the the 2020 oh, that looked back at at Disney 100, but obviously uh, Pixar, uh, you know, was a was a big part of that story. Uh, they, uh, but again, it, w- it was interesting because it's it's it, it it's interesting to tell the Pixar story without including images of John Lasseter. Uh, on on the other hand, um, you know, and and you know, they they talked about Disney animation, and two gentlemen who were talking heads as part of this uh, were Mark Henn and Eric Goldberg, and. Um, <laughs> Oh, Drew and I just learned <laughs> over like the past week to 10 days that um, that was kind of a victory lap because um, the, these two gentlemen are, are, are leaving the company, right? Well, I've actually got a, some clarification on Goldberg is still going to work for the studio. Mm-hmm. In what capacity? I don't know, but we know that he is not he is not he won't be in Southern California. I don't know what is going to happen to his teaching. Um, but okay. Do you know? Jim? All right. Well, uh, that's that is great to hear. But but at the same time, you know the the, the you know the interesting that he'll be working long distance for the company on special projects or that sort of thing. We'll tell you what, folks. You know, uh, you know, in order to do this right, uh, Drew and I are going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're, we're going to take some time to look back at the careers of of Mark Henn and Eric Goldberg at Walt Disney Studios, but. But before we do that, uh, there's this. And we're back. Um, Wait, before okay. we go any further, Jim, I gotta, mm-hmm. I have to brag and shove mm-hmm. something in your face before we continue. Mm-hmm. Okay. We all saw online that Art of Nimona PDF that was floating around. Mm-hmm. But right here, I have a physical copy, Jim. Th- there were only 100 printed and your boy got one. So not oh. only did I get the Tom Cruise cake this week, I got the Nimona book. So a, a, a fine day for 
just not to 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 make it too obvious, but again, you know that that I am so far off people's uh, radar at this point. I I actually got you know once upon a time Nancy and I would get the gift box from Pixar, and this year I got the digital Christmas card. As in, you know, it's just like oh no no we we, we don't want to. Waste time. I they miss like, the real card. Don't you miss it, Jim? I miss the real card. I do. It was so good. Anyway, but but, but that no, no, that's a, what a great score. Holy cow! And yes, and, and more to the point, I you know, given how much the, the two of us enjoyed Nimona, it's uh, in fact, wasn't that uh part of the the info dump about Leo? You know, to the effect of how well Nimona had done with with uh, yeah. subscribers to Netflix. I've heard that there are some surprisingly like movies you don't think of as being like big hits that mm-hmm. on Netflix are huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm forbidden from saying them out loud, but I I can tell you in mm-hmm. in confidence, Jim. But yeah, Nimona is great, and you know what? Ho- holding this book makes me want to write another art of book, Jim. But I should do that sometime soon. And and, and when? By the way, when can we we start talking about that? Can oh, we? I don't know, Jim. I don't know when okay. I can start talking. Maybe oh, soon. Maybe soon. Maybe soon. Okay. Yeah. That, 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 you know that that. Yeah, I would be ultra thrilled when when we can finally reveal that project. So, yes. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Um. All right. So let's first talk about uh how we found out, or rather, you found out uh about Mark Hen retiring. Well, I saw it on social media, and then uh. You know, you and I were kind of emailing back and forth and realizing just what an amazing oh, run yeah. he's had. Yeah. And you and I also have had so many interactions with him and know that he is maybe the kindest, most guileless person that we've mm-hmm. ever met. I mean, just a love. I asked him one time because. You know, he really was a major force at the Florida studio. And so I said, well, what do you what did you what did you bring around? And he said, you know, the only thing I really keep with me at every desk and wherever I'm working is a picture of my family and my Bible. And I thought that is just so lovely. Mm -hmm. And he is just such a sweet guy. But yes, let's talk about his amazing career. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mark, uh, you know, actually started at Disney in, in 1980. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and again, you know, the, the, anybody who's an animation fan knows him for his work on, on princesses like Ariel and Belle and, and Jasmine. Um, but, but should we tell, should we say what Jeffrey Katzenberg called him? No, go ahead. Okay. He is the Julia Roberts of animation, <laughs> which is so bizarre. What did, did he call Glenn Keane the Tom Cruise of animation? Is that what the that statement came from? Okay. Well, I don't, but that's the thing that fascinates me. When he started at Disney, his first gig, he was the in-betweener uh, assigned to Glenn Keane. And the first character he animated for the studio could not have been more different than it is a princess. It was the bear in the Fox and the Hound. You know, that, that, oh, I thought you were going to say the eagle from... Um... 
no, 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 no. Remember, you know, I mean, that, that, that thing, you know, Glenn Keane, that there's this great interview where Keane is talking about working on Fox on the Hound and, and just, you know, it, you know, had studied all of these historical bear attacks and it was like, oh, bear's got to be bigger. Oh, bear's got to have sharper teeth. And, and, and just thinking of poor Mark who has to fill in with the giant, you know, paw swiping in or, or you know, bear biting down on the, the dog. And, um, but from there, I mean, he, you know, he, he gets his first shot at, um, at animating Mickey, uh, with, uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol and he would animate Mickey quite a bit going forward, though, oddly enough, not so much for, uh, you know, uh, for films that were released theatrically, but, uh, in fact, we're going to pivot here and talk a, a bit about uh, what Mark did uh, largely for the last 10 or 15 years, that that he worked on a lot of the castle projection shows or the uh, things like, uh, what is it, the, the, uh, the Lagoon show for DCA, uh, the pieces yep. of animation, they're the new stuff. Uh, a lot of times that was Mark, uh, and to be clear, also Eric, that, uh, as, uh, Disney moved away from doing hand-drawn, uh, these two masters of that medium found themselves in, in interesting spaces. I mean, I, I, I'm sure at some point you've either seen the test that, that um, Mark did for Wreck-It Ralph or King Candy, uh, the hand, the amazing hand-drawn versions of those characters, uh, which were done largely as kind of proof of concepts, you know, to the effect of, okay, this is what this character would look like. And it's like, oh, good. Okay. We're going to go off and build the CG rig now. Um, yeah. So he would also do things like the mini Maui stuff. He and yeah. Eric did that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was a invaluable resource. Uh, they did that Mickey through the years thing that was part of the documentary. Yep. Um, uh, and and uh, obviously helping on uh, once once upon a studio. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, yeah. But you know. yeah, and they would also uh, apparently advise Imagineering on the uh, animatronic uh, versions of the characters. Like I've heard that Eric in the past few months has really been working with Imagineering on the. Uh, Lewis um, animatronic for Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Yeah. So they were busy, but I also feel like they were sort of figureheads uh, in a way as well. Well, I mean, I, you know, it's just kind of interesting to me that um, if you think about, you, you were just talking about Once Upon a Studio and and how, you know, Bernie Mattinson, you know, how that was you know, dedicated to him. And, you know, he, in fact, has that lovely cameo at the, the very beginning of the film. Um, but yeah, they, they were guys that got kept in the building, um, you know, in a weird sort of way, almost like touchstones, you know, to the effect of, you know, these guys are our are, are direct connection to, uh, you know, what we used to do. And uh, in Mark's case, I mean, he is literally retiring this year because he turned 65. And 
Um, and what's kind of interesting is he also has a very interesting hide, uh, side hustle. Have, have you ever seen any of his Civil War bronzes? Um, no, but I am kind of obsessed with bron- those kind of bronze statues. I really want like, a you know, the classic like cowboy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of slumped over the horse. But I know that he he has ex- exhibitions of this stuff he fairly does. regularly. He yeah. does. You know, in fact, uh, he came out. He was the guest at uh, Dayton, Indiana a few years back. So I got to spend a lot of one on one time with Mark. And it was fascinating to listen to him tell the stories, uh, you know, of his career and also talk about, you know, like, w- what was going on now at Disney and, and, you know, the, the fact that he was grateful for, uh, entertainment, you know, giving him the opportunity to work on shows, uh, like the castle shows and, and those in and of themselves were animation challenges. Cause it's, you're literally, you know, uh, you know, it's one thing to draw for a character that's going to be projected on a, you know, a big flat screen. It's quite another to figure out, well, how do I move this character from, you know, this wall of the castle to that wall of the castle? Um, I, did Mark say anything about how he did he ever want to like direct a feature or anything? <sighs> I. To be honest, he did John Henry. In fact, I, I got to visit it, uh, him at uh, Walt Disney Feature Animation Florida while they were working on uh, John Henry. Uh, though, you know, the, the other aspect of John Henry that was kind of the ugly little secret was, uh, you know, John Henry was the project that was supposed to make song of the South palatable. You've heard this story, right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. The, the idea that, you know, uh, you know, Disney was going to do a, you know, a, a piece of animation that would show how, you know, uh, the company had become evolved when it came to, uh, African-American folklore. And, uh, for some odd reason, the company never followed through on that. So, uh, you know, uh, was that supposed to be for Fantasia three thousand or whatever they were calling it? Um, you know, it's it's so interesting you bring that up because that's actually a part of the the Eric Goldberg story. I mean, remember he was working on Rhapsody in Blue as a standalone project now you know that was a a passion project of his own uh he had you know obviously befriended you know uh, al hirschfeld uh when he was working on uh uh, aladdin you know the the genie really you know drew or you know pulled a lot of its its look and its lines from uh hirschfeld's uh caricatures and he wanted to do you know instead of one character an entire film in that and and that's how loose the construct was for the uh you know fantasia continued uh, you know the notion was he, he showed the work in progress through disney and this was after he'd already done his thing with the flamingos and it's like oh we have to have that too and it's like oh I'm, i have two chunks of this movie um, but yeah, I mean, what was interesting about Fantasia three was that it was mostly supposed to be international music. Uh, in fact, you know, we, and we, a couple of the, the chunks of it did eventually make it out into the world as, as kind of standalone films like one yeah. by one and, 
and the little the match little match girl. girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah I Goldberg told me one time that he had pitched so many segments for mm-hmm. a third Fantasia, and we're talking about like you know in the last ten years yeah. that. They had started calling it the Goldberg variation. So they could have had an entire, they could have had an entire Fantasia just of his stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway. Oh, and, you know, uh, speaking of Mr. Goldberg, I, I remember him telling the story about his version of uh, the, 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 the Frog Prince that. Uh, you, you mean know, Shrek? Nobody's supposed to know about that. Oh, oh sorry about that. Okay. So, all right. Well, anyway, um, look, Mr. Goldberg and 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 Mr. Hen, uh, you know, have have put in their time at Disney. But again, it's interesting that that Mark is officially retiring, whereas uh, Eric, and again, that this is something Drew and I learned about through social media. Sue actually, uh, Sue Eric's wife put out a notice via Facebook, you know, to the effect of, you know, this is the only way I know how to reach a lot of you. Uh, But, you know, we're relocating that, you know, we found a house in the Midwest and, you know, I'm going there to, to get it set up. And, and Eric, uh, you know, Eric's, you know, staying behind. And the, the inference, I guess, at that point was Eric was finishing projects, but, but from what you've heard, Drew, that maybe he's going to, uh, hang on a, a, a bit longer. He has stuff that the company wants him to do. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we heard uh, about that kind of 2D pilot program that they mm-hmm. put into effect earlier this year. And mm-hmm. I believe he was the one that was kind of overseeing that. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there is more more to be said about that, even well, though we know that a lot of them worked on Once Upon a Studio. Mm-hmm. I think that there could be future projects there i hope there are well here's hoping i mean i again nothing nothing quite looks as good as you know uh eric goldberg animation and uh, not to you know uh belittle what mark hen did over the years i mean just you know that uh, you know uh, just the stuff that he did for mulan or for that matter for uh princess and the frog with tiana i mean just great 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 work and um, but again, these, these guys have worked hard and they, they, they deserve a break. And if, you know, Mark wants to step away and, and, you know, and Eric wants to sort of wind down what he's doing to Disney, they've earned it, but it's just kind of sad to, to think that they're not going to be in the building anymore. I don't know. Uh, but, um, but again, here's something what, 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 uh, you know, Drew learned about, about Eric hanging on. Is true, and and more to the point, here's hoping that Mark now has time to to work on some more bronzes. Um, so you know, look forward to seeing some exhibitions of that. And speaking of things I look forward to, I always enjoy li- listening to Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. But the past week or so have been especially. Good. So, how again? When did you actually? When did you and Charles actually sit down with with John Wu? Uh, it was on November thirtieth, based mm-hmm. on the file I just got rid of on my phone. We mm-hmm. uh, sat down with him at his office um, in LA, mm-hmm. and he was sort. It was very interesting because he was like, "How long is this supposed to be?" And I said, "Well, we put forty five minutes on your calendar," mm-hmm. and we ended up talking to him for an hour and a half, and. 
It was absolutely amazing. He was so lovely and generous with his time. And when we got done with the interview, which you'll hear the second part Mm -hmm. today, the same day that this interview, this episode comes out, Mm -hmm. um, he it was very cute because his assistant had actually brought out. Mission Impossible 2 posters, original Mission Impossible 2 posters from 2000. And he sat there and signed them for us. And it was just so lovely. It just, it it really did just like make my heart sore. And then as we were leaving, you know, I was like, you are a legend. And he was like, he was just bashful and said, no, 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 no. And it was, it was, I'll never forget it. He was, he was wonderful. He was absolutely wonderful. And, um, so, yeah, that's what you can look forward to. This week is the second part of our John Woo interview. So Cool, cool, cool. cool. And that, 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 I, I crazy enjoyed that interview. So, oh, and, and by the way, we have some other podcasts here if you want to listen to stuff. Uh, you know, we, of course, have Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa. And uh, Brian Gunn and I uh, will be recording a new looking at Lucasfilm sometime later this weekend. But I'm still trying to figure out what to do with mod folks. Are uh, it, it again? I've got Aaron in my head saying respect the schedule, you know, deliver for the audience. And at the same time, it seems kind of disrespectful to proceed without him. But I'll, I'll figure something out. Um, oh, uh, uh, our other project, Len and my that the Disney Unpacked, our, our first ever video series. Uh, third episode dropped early this month. Uh, has Jim Shul talking about. Uh, the design and development of Disney MGM. <laughs> Jim was on the ground and, and has some amazing stories about being in the trenches working on that one. Uh, let's see what else. Um, I, 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 I'm almost hesitant to ask this given that just when I think that Twitter and X can't get any worse, it gets worse. So it gets worse. It, we're still there, there, Jim. Anymore. We're all there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, you can find me at Drew Tailored on all the various social media platforms. And mm-hmm. Jim, where can people find you? Well, again, I'm, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media and on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. Um, okay. Uh, before we close out here, folks, I uh, want to ask a favor. If you could have uh, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review. Well, not just the show you're listening to right now, fine tuning, but also like the fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. Uh, that would be uh, a, a lot of help there. And also just to sort of circle back to where we began uh, today's show. Just want to remind you about that GoFundMe that uh, Len Testa and Tim O'Brien set up. And uh, look, you know, that that's, you can find that at tinyurl, Aaron Z. Adams. And again, all funds collected will go to Sabrina Geiger, uh, Mr. Adams' widow. And uh, again, if you have it to spare this holiday season, Mr. Taylor and I would really appreciate it if you donate yes. to the GoFundMe. But and, and again, as we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, next week, uh, we will take back a look back at the year of an animation. Uh, but that's it for now. And uh, thanks for listening. And we're back. So look for another episode next week. Okay. <laughs>